Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 14, and while you're turning, I'll give you just a moment to find your place, and we'll stand and read one verse of scripture tonight, and then you can be seated, Ezekiel chapter 14, if you'll stand with us, in reverence to the word of God in prayer, and um, just really got a thought tonight, I don't know if you would uh, classify it a complete message, but it is something that's been on my heart all day, and so... I pray the Lord to use it to help us. Ezekiel chapter 14. I want you to notice verse number 14. We'll read three or four selected verses here and then have prayer and then you can be seated. Ezekiel 14 and verse number 14. The Bible said, get this right. The Bible said those, verse number 14, those, the, though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should, de- they, they should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. Verse 16. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land shall be desolate. Then look at verse 18. Though these three men were in it, As I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Then verse number 20. Though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would touch us tonight physically and touch us spiritually. Give us the vocabulary that we need tonight and help us to preach what you've laid on our heart to preach and may the will of God be done. Speak to hearts now and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to draw your attention to verse number 14. You notice that all four of these verses read almost identical. And I was reading these verses the other day and as I came across them, I thought about the phrase here where the Bible says in verse 14 as well as in all these verses, but it says in verse number 14, in verse number 16, and then in verse number 18, though these three men. And I want you to think about uh, these three men for just a moment because there is something odd to me as I, I think it's odd when I look at these uh, these three men in light of this verse, Ezekiel mentions them. He mentions Noah, he mentions Daniel, and he mentions Job. And, and when you think about these three men, what seems odd to me is that two of these men, talking about Noah and Job, are dead at the time that Ezekiel is writing this chapter here. And then also uh, what seems odd to me that Daniel would be mentioned with them is that not only are they dead, but but Daniel is much younger than what these two men that are mentioned in this text, Noah and Job, are already dead. They they are much older uh, than what Daniel would have been. And then also I would say that they are more experienced than Daniel. Daniel at this time is somewhere between the age of about 32 to 35 years old. 
old. And if you go to the book of Daniel and you read the book of Daniel, you know that in the first chapter, he was somewhere between the age of 18 to 20 years. I believe he was about 19 years old in chapter one. And then uh, 22 in chapter number two, we don't know his age in chapter three and four. In chapter five, he's 87 years old. In chapter six, he's 88 years old. And then in chapter seven, when that chapter was written, uh, he's 84 years old. And then in chapter number eight, he's 87 and 89. In chapter number nine, he would be uh, he would be 88 years old. And then in chapter 10, 11, and 12, Daniel is 92 years old. So when you look at the age of Daniel's life throughout the book of Daniel, Ezekiel is about 30 years of age when he writes the book of Ezekiel. And uh, Daniel would be around 32 years of age by the time that, uh, or by the time Ezekiel gives the uh, gives this uh, prophecy here. Ezekiel would be 35. Daniel would be about 32 to 35. So they were contemporaries, wasn't they? And Daniel is a young man in this verse. And I mean all that statement to simply say this, that here is a young man that his name is mentioned between two older men. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject on the young man in the middle. The young man in the middle because I think it bears us noting it tonight because uh, here we notice his identity. He is identified with two great patriarchs uh, of the Old Testament. Now again, had this been Jesus speaking in the New Testament or the Apostle Paul speaking in the New Testament, I could see all three of these names together because Daniel would have lived to have been a ripe old age and Daniel would be dead and so he would have had the experience, the wisdom, the skill. Uh, He would have had the knowledge uh, and we know that Daniel was blessed in wisdom and knowledge but at the time that Ezekiel is writing this uh, he's basically only uh, took one stand and seen one vision. If someone in the New Testament would have been talking about it uh, Daniel would have then been off the scene and so we could have said Daniel is in that same realm of patriarchs uh, as what Noah and Job is but at the time that Ezekiel is writing about it he places Daniel right in the middle between two great patriarchs uh, and I want you to think about this man in the middle. Why would Ezekiel do that? Well, we know that in the year 605 BC that Daniel was deported from Judah and he was taken to, or from Jerusalem and he was taken into Babylonian captivity. And in the year 606, Daniel would have been taken captive and would have been inside the city of Babylon during that time. Uh, just eight years later, Ezekiel would be taken captive and he would be taken back down to the river Chebar and there by that river, He sat down with those Jews. Uh, You remember in Psalms 137 when the psalmist wrote about that. No doubt it was probably many years later reflecting back. But he made that statement by the rivers of Babylon. We sat down. We hung our harps on the willows uh, and said how can we sing the uh, the Lord's song in a strange land. Ezekiel was there. Daniel had done been in captivity for eight years. Uh, He's in the the palace uh, and now Ezekiel is down by the river and he's thinking about the nation of Judah. That's what the that's what the entire book of Ezekiel is about. Uh, there had been one invasion that took Daniel captive. There was a second invasion that took Ezekiel captive. It's been about five years that, Dan, uh, or that Ezekiel's been beside that river and he's beginning to prophesy about a third invasion that's going to come. I want to tell you it was the worst of the three invasions that came. Completely annihilated the city of Jerusalem, broke down the walls. Uh, uh, my friend ravaged 
punish the people. Uh, it was, listen, they left it in utter ruins uh, uh, when they took that final sweep through the city. But uh, Ezekiel is prophesying about that. And in the first 24 chapters of this book, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the fall of Judah. He talks about the foes of Judah. And he ends this book by talking about the future of Judah. Now hang on, I'm headed somewhere tonight. He lays all, I laid all that groundwork for this. I want you to get it in your mind. When we get to the 14th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel is sitting by that river and Ezekiel is thinking about where Judah is at. It's just six years away. He's prophesying that Judah's gonna fall. And may I say tonight, America is gonna fall one of these days. As sure as God brought my friend, listen, retribution and he brought judgment on every other nation in this Bible that turned their back against away from God. He's surely going to do that to this nation tonight. I don't know where we'll be at. Daniel was in captivity. Ezekiel was in captivity. But I'll tell you what they prove. They prove this. You can still live for God even when you're in captivity. Amen. Daniel lived for God for 66 years. He served the Babylonian Empire for 72 years at least. Daniel lived there in the Babylon. He saw the entire captivity from the beginning to end. He lived at least to be 94 years of age and we don't know if he died at 94 or if he lived a little bit longer but Daniel lived most of his life in captivity and Ezekiel now as he's by this river he looks back and he picks out Noah. He looks back in the Old Testament and he picks out Job but he looks at the present day and he's looking for someone that my friend he can identify with. He can see in the past thank God for Noah who found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah lived for God when the whole world had quit living for God. Noah lived for God when every imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. And so he chose Noah. Then he looked and he found Job, the oldest book in the Bible. He goes as far back, even a little bit further than Noah. Now listen, Job didn't have a Bible. Job didn't have a church. And Job didn't have a preacher. But Job chapter one and verse one said he feared God and eschewed evil. He walked with God. He found another Old Testament patriarch but by the river of Chebar. You know who he's looking for? He's looking for somebody in his generation. He's looking for a young man. He's looking for somebody that'll be a Noah in his day. That'll be a Job in his day. Somebody that is not compromised. Somebody that has stood the test. Somebody that has stayed with the stuff. And thank God there was a Daniel. I'm going to tell you, I think Daniel encouraged the heart of Ezekiel. They were serving in two separate places, but every time Ezekiel got a little bit discouraged, he knew about somebody that was still standing, that was being faithful. The young man in the middle is one, my friend, that was a testimony to his generation. Amen. I want to tell you tonight, when I think about this verse, and when I think about Daniel in this verse, I notice some things in this verse about this young man. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, first of all, I notice in verse number 14 that he is silent. Daniel is not saying anything in this verse. Ezekiel is saying something. I would think there's something to be said about young men and young ladies that have learned the spiritual maturity of just being silent. 
I'll never forget, Brother Green said to me one time, he asked me a question that really he wasn't asking me this for a question, but he was making a statement. He asked me a question. We were sitting at a table one time and, and there were some uh, young men there and there were some older men there. And after the fellowship was over with, we got in the car and we started down the road. And only as Brother Tim Green can do it, uh, say something without saying anything. We're going down the road. And he said, you know, I, I, I said, I wonder something. And I said, why? He said, I wonder why is it that young men that really have nothing to say never quit talking and older people who have so much to say hardly speak? I said, you want me to say something <laughs> or be quiet? <laughs> he said, no. He said, what I'm saying is this. He said, the further you go and the more you walk with God the more careful you are about giving advice, sharing your belief. He said, I think you just learned that you come to a place in life where even though you have an opinion, you don't have to have an opinion. I never forgot that. I didn't know if we needed to have an invitation. I almost asked him, I said, did I say something or did somebody else say something? It's wisdom, ain't it? With social media and a platform, everybody can have a platform in this day and time. Everybody can have a voice. I'll tell you what it's done to this younger generation. It has ruined them because they've not learned the art of 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11, just studying to be quiet, to do your own business and to work with your own hand. But we live in a day when everybody's in everybody's business. In a matter of a click of a button, in about 30 seconds, you can scroll through a news feed and you can get in about anybody's business you want to, whether you know them or don't know them and if you're searching for someone that you would particularly like to nose into their business now they've got that little uh, you know that little uh, mark on that phone you can just click it and you can type their name in and in just a matter of moments uh, uh, you can get in their business uh, and that has ruined this generation I want to tell you young people tonight I want you to get this uh, if you haven't already learned to be silent learn to be quiet uh, there's something to be said uh, it doesn't mean that you don't have a voice uh, but when you you're young, you'll say more by saying less uh, and choosing your words wisely and not always sharing your opinion and your opinion may be right. It may be true, uh, but it doesn't always need to be shared. Isn't that right? Uh, I'm telling you, friend, there's just something about uh, well, that went over like a lead balloon but I'm going to go ahead and preach it anyway. Uh, I'm telling you, it's in the book, amen. Uh, and study to be quiet. Study to be quiet, amen. Let me just give you some homework. I don't know if pastors should give church members uh, homework, but I'm going to give you some homework tonight. Uh, I want you to go home this week uh, and I want you to do your homework. Will you do that? Uh, and your homework is this. Uh, I want you to study, amen? And here's what I want you to study this week and I'm gonna do it with you. We're gonna just study to be quiet, amen? We're just gonna study uh, just not to say something. That means to learn. Uh, that means, uh, uh, listen, that means to be quiet, to be silent uh, and you're not gonna get a whole lot of shouting on that but I tell you, it is the mark of a spiritual saint uh, when they have learned to put their tongue under submission and they have learned to be quiet. Daniel is not bragging about himself. Daniel didn't write this verse. Daniel is not speaking about himself. Daniel didn't talk about Daniel. Daniel talked about God, didn't he? Remember when he stood before the king and he had an opportunity to say something? He said, there is a God in heaven. And the only time that Daniel in the book of Daniel ever talked about himself was in chapter nine. You know what he talked about? His sin. He said, we have sinned. 
Daniel never talked about his prayer life. He never talked about his success. He never talked about his political position. He never talked about any accomplishments in his life. Daniel said, no, let me talk about the nation and let me talk about how we have sinned. I see that he is silent. I see, secondly, he is separated. The Bible says here God is pronouncing judgment on Judah and says that even if Daniel and Noah and Job were all living today in the city, that they would not be able to deliver you, but by their own righteousness would they deliver their souls. That's comforting tonight. Because what it tells me is that even with captivity, even with with, uh, one nation taking over another nation, uh, God says, I will remember the righteous. I will remember those that live for me. I will remember though I'm going, uh, uh, listen, uh, judgment is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. Uh, Nobody can deliver this nation now. It's already been, listen, you would have thought two uh, two, uh, invasions would have brought them to their knees, but it didn't. You know what it did? Uh, It made those Jews that were still living back home. They felt justified. They felt like as if God must have been protecting them. They must have been doing something right. When in essence God said, hey, I took Daniel captive. I took Ezekiel captive and I'm coming this time in vengeance and in fury and even if all three of these patriarchs that are mentioned here was living listen, they would be delivered by their own righteousness but it would not deliver the nation. Amen. I'm simply saying to you and I tonight it still pays to live a separate life, amen, it still pays to live righteous, to live holy and to walk right, and if you have a church that believes in Bible separation, you're going to be marked, but sad to say, you're not going to be as marked by the world as much as you are the church world, amen and I believe God's people ought to be holy people, we ought to be a righteous people we ought to be people of decency and character, and we ought to be people that have convictions, amen, we ought to have convictions in the way we talk and convictions in the way that we walk and we ought to look the same on Monday as we do on Sunday, amen? I don't mean you gotta wear a suit and tie every day of your life, but I think we ought to be modest and we ought to be decent and we ought to not do anything that would bring a reproach, amen? I'm talking about we ought to live clean and live right. Christians ought to hold a standard. My friend, that lets the world look at us and know that we are different, amen? You see, we're not better than the world, but we ought to be different, from the world. You go to the average church nowadays and you can't tell who's saved and who's lost. And you ought to be able to tell. I'm not talking about a shirt and tie. I'm not talking about a fancy dress. And thank God that doesn't mean anything here. Isn't that right? It doesn't matter what somebody, it doesn't matter if you buy your clothes at Walmart or if you buy them down at JCPenney's. We don't care. We're not one of those up-to-do churches and you know that. And I'm glad visitors can come and feel a warm welcome. We know the ground is level. We know that we're all but dust tonight. But at the same time, testimony matters. Amen. And we ought to still believe in righteousness and holiness. And we ought to still believe in godly living and clean living I'm not recovering from any of that thank God I still believe it I still stand on it I thank God for it I appreciate those that have preached it to me down through the years and lived it in their life it wasn't just preaching it wasn't just something for a good sermon filler they lived it every day of their life they weren't perfect they weren't sinless but thank God they was clean amen thank God they were blameless and you can do that and have a humble spirit and have a right attitude but you've got to be willing to come out from among this world and separate, amen. Bible separation is still a Bible doctrine. 
Some would say that it is Old Testament, but I would say that it's under the law, but it was before the law. Because one of the first doctrines in all the Bible is in Genesis chapter number one, when God said, let there be light, and the Bible said that God divided, he separated the light from the darkness. God made divisions, he made distinctions, he made separation, and so we're to be a separated people. I don't mean to linger so long on that subject tonight, but I feel like it ought to be dealt with even more. You and I should evaluate our Christian life, and we ought to ask ourselves, am I living a godly life? Am I living, is there things in my life that is not pleasing to God? Is there things in my life that does not honor him? Is there things in my life that's hindering my Christian wall? And we ought to love God so much that we don't want anything between our soul and the Savior. I'm going to tell you, separation's not a badge to wear to make me look good. Separation's not a trophy to put on the shelf and to brag about where I'm at. And I know you believe the same thing tonight. A separation is not a list that I mark off and say that I've got everything right. We don't believe any of that in this tonight. A separation is not legalism. It is not Phariseeism. It can get into that, but in itself, that is not what it is. A separation is simply this. I want to be clear closer to God and in being closer to God I automatically get further away from this world. I love God so much that I don't want to love this world anymore. As he sung that song tonight, I would rather die as to go back to the world. The world has nothing to offer us tonight. The world never did me one favor. The world never gave me peace. The world never helped me one time. I'm telling you the worst day of living for God is a thousand times better than my best day living for the devil and I wouldn't trade places with the world tonight for all the fame and all the fortune and all the money that they have. I'm telling you living for God is the blessed life and it's the best life and I wouldn't trade it for anything tonight. Hallelujah. Doesn't it feel good as he sung that song to be saved? And I'm glad tonight for all the preaching that I heard down through the years that busted my hide. Preachers that I thought, man, they just hate my guts. No, they might have hated my flesh, but they loved me. Preached, stood for the truth, took the word of God and hammered sin and called it by name, uh, where would we be at tonight? I, I think about it. I've not heard some of the preaching that I heard as a teenager growing up uh, and the things that they preached against and stood against. Uh, I don't know where I would be at tonight. I don't know what avenue life would have took me down. I may have fallen into some snare, some pit of sin, but because I heard a man of God get up and take this Bible and take a verse of scripture and say this is sin and this is sin and stay away from this and don't do this and live like this. The Bible says live this way and surrender, submit and come out from the world. Oh, I'll tell you what it did. It kept me out of a lot of the hell holes of this world. It kept me off the rocks of sin. It kept my flesh from going down a path that it surely would have went down. Oh, thank God for the old preacher men that stood tall, got full, full of the Holy Ghost and they preached and the power of God was on their preaching and it changed my life. Hallelujah. Don't you thank God for that? I'm telling you, I've had Brother Allen preach in my face this close till I could smell his breath. 
And I couldn't tell if the sweat running down my face was my sweat or his. And he would preach things, you can't do this and be right with God, you can't do that and be right with God. In my mind, I'm thinking, they're gonna think I'm doing this. It never made me mad. I loved him. And I knew more importantly, he loved me. And hard preaching will never hurt nobody. It'll help you, won't it? It's a soft generation today, ain't it? It don't take much to get people in a tizzy. I'm talking about just the least little old thing makes them upset. And they'll go out the door. It's not that way here. Don't you think, God, it's not that way here? I'm sure somebody's got mad and left, but you know I don't know of anybody, but I'm telling you, if they did, we don't want nobody to be mad. We're not out to upset nobody, but we got to preach the truth tonight, don't we? Daniel, he lived a clean life. He separated. And then he was small. I see him between Noah and Job. There's Daniel. Now, when we think about Daniel, what a great patriarch Daniel is. Because we see his whole life. But for just a moment in verse 14, don't see it as you see it. See it as Ezekiel sees it. He's 32, 33 years old. He's in captivity. When a man is that young, you don't know how he's going to finish. You know how he may start. You know where his stand is, but he's not faced the lion's den yet. He's not, uh, he's not faced the, uh, listen, the decree uh, to stop praying so the outcome could go in any direction. And Ezekiel looks around, but Ezekiel saw something in Daniel and he places him. I don't know if Ezekiel or if Daniel was to have read this verse uh, at this time, but if you could interview Daniel and say, man, Daniel, look where Ezekiel puts you. He puts you in the pages of the word of God and he puts you right between Noah and he puts you right between Job. Uh, Job. You know what Daniel would say? I don't deserve to be there. I know who they are. Uh, and in Daniel's eyes, he was small. The Bible said he had an excellent spirit. Amen. He was a man with an excellent spirit. Daniel was small. Uh, he never saw himself as a big shot. He always saw himself one, as one that ought to be shot. Amen. And that's who we are. We're no big shot tonight, but we all ought to be shot. Amen. We should everyone be in hell, but it's the grace of God and the mercy of God. We are what we are by the grace of God. Uh, there's nothing in me tonight that lets me put my thumb in my suspenders uh, and say, you know, uh, I've arrived, I've achieved, I've done something. Oh no. Uh, I'm telling you, outside the grace of God and the mercy of God, uh, we couldn't do nothing, Jesus said, without him. Amen. We get in trouble when we listen to the flesh and we start thinking we're something. Galatians chapter number Five, or chapter 6 says that if a man think of himself to be something when he's nothing he deceiveth himself so easy to find the faults of others to see the, the sin of others if we, if we size ourselves by others this is how it works you can look at somebody and say well man you know I'm just not the person they are well there's just such a better Christian I'm just, I could never be what they are but then you could look around and find somebody else and say, well, you know, at least I'm not like him. Don't y'all look so sanctified? Well, I'm not like Brother Laddie, but at least I'm not like him. You know, that's what the flesh does. Find the worst person you can find. That's you. That's me. But the flesh doesn't believe that. 
It finds somebody that is struggling, somebody that said, well, you know, I'm not that good of a Christian, but I'm not that bad of a Christian. Oh, Daniel's stuck right between two great giants. And who Daniel is going to be is not who Daniel is in verse 14. I'll tell you tonight, the way up with God is down. Amen. You know how you survive serving God? Staying on your knees. The touch of God is only the touch of God. It's not a magic wand that anybody possesses within themselves. The power of God is power for service that God mercifully gives to us in that time of need, not for our good, but for his glory and for the good of others. And I want to say tonight this, that we have to remind ourselves that if anything good is ever done through us, it is not us, but thank God it is him. Amen. I'm telling you, if you can sing a song, if you can preach a song, if you can win a soul, if you can teach a lesson every time, we must remind ourselves this old wicked flesh that we're robed in tonight, it couldn't do one good deed for God. I'm telling you, it's a miracle every time that God takes any of us and uses us for any reason. It's just him, isn't it? And I'll tell you, God will help that individual. Saul got in real trouble. Because when he started out, he saw himself as small in his own eyes. But the crown on Saul's head ruined him. I've seen that happen to people. You put a crown on their head and it'll ruin them. Amen. You know, you can put a crown on a pig's head. Amen. I didn't call nobody a pig. You can put a crown on its head and a curl on its tail. You can walk it down that aisle and put a ribbon around its neck, clean as a pin, but guess what? It's still a pig. Isn't that right? And a pig's going to do what pigs do. And I'm going to tell you this old flesh tonight, we can crown it, we can elevate it, we can lift it up, but it's still flesh tonight. And flesh is going to do what flesh is going to do tonight. The only way that we'll survive this flesh is to crucify it and kill it, put it on the cross of Calvary and surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ and recognize it for what it really is and run to the cross and say, Dear God, use me. Lord, if I do anything, I must do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was small. He was separated. And then he was a servant. Daniel, 66 years he served in Babylon. Never compromised who he was. Worked a secular job. Was a politician. What about that? Daniel served in politics, but he never, he never lived the life of a politician, did he? He was not political in who he was. Daniel was a servant. Why is that? How could Daniel live for God in Babylon? How could Daniel serve God in such a terrible environment? Have you ever seen people get up and blame their environment on their Christian life? Well, you know, I turned out this way because I was, uh, I, I was uh, you know, I didn't have the chance some people had. Or I turned out this way because, preacher, you, you don't know uh, uh, my life and, and you don't know how it was. And, and so, you know, I made my mistake. Well, I'll tell you something. You have to own your own sin tonight. Isn't that right? You can't use it as a crutch. You can't blame it on the past. Uh, the grace of God is greater than anything that we'll ever face in life. Uh, and I've not experienced all of that. But when I look at the life of Daniel, here he is sitting at the king's table and the portions of the king's meat are brought out and it's decision time in the life of Daniel. If he looks to the left and he looks to the right, uh, he sees young Jewish boys who are hungry and they're sitting at the king's table and they're starving and they're ready to eat meat uh, like they've never ate before. And it would have been very easy for Daniel 
Daniel to have said, well, you know, it's not my fault. This is the circumstances I'm in. If we was in Jerusalem, I wouldn't be doing this. But fellers, we're not in Jerusalem. We're in Babylon. We didn't ask to be here. We didn't ask to eat this meat. And so therefore, we're just going to have to do what we're going to have to do. You ever heard that? Not Daniel. It was long before he got to Babylon. He purposed in his heart. I'm not going to defile myself. And Daniel, in that moment of decision, the decision had already been made long ago. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you live for God, you have to get on an altar. Decisions have to be made when you're young. Decisions have to be made before the trial and the test comes. Decisions have to be made here. They have to be made now so that when you face them in that life, uh, uh, listen, you remind yourself, Daniel never saw himself as a servant of Nebuchadnezzar. He never saw himself working for the Babylonian government. Daniel was a servant of God. Uh, He was serving another king. Uh, He had already sat at another king's table before he sat at Nebuchadnezzar's table. David or Daniel had already sat at that table and Daniel was working for the government of God. And Daniel said, it doesn't matter whether I'm in Babylon or whether I'm in Jerusalem. I'm going to do what God wants me to do, not what Daniel wants me to do. I'm telling you, life is a whole lot easier when you sell that lock, stock, and barrel and get on an altar somewhere and say, dear God, whether it be here or there between yonder, I just want to do what you want me to do. The young man in the middle had made that decision. What about you tonight? And then Daniel is surprising in this verse because God says it several times. Verse number 20, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, talking about the city, as I live, saith the Lord, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. You know, I thought about that. I wonder, and I don't know this, it's just a thought. I wonder if the reason Ezekiel put their names in that order Was it because Noah delivered a family? Daniel delivered friends, but Job only delivered his flesh. He lost everything, didn't he? You know, that would be the prophecy to Judah. Daniel, surprisingly, he couldn't deliver nobody. He couldn't help Judah in the shape that she was in. No matter what, he couldn't deliver his nation. Tonight, I don't know if we can deliver America or not. I believe the God of the Bible is still the God of revival. But I also understand that America has been on a slippery slope for a long time. I don't know if this nation will ever be turned around or not. I'm praying and I'm believing that God will show His mercy and do that. But if He doesn't, isn't that what the Hebrew boys said? But if not, but if not, we're still going to serve you. But if not, we're still going to stand. Hey, but if not, we're still going to go to church. But if not, we're still preaching from a King James Bible. But if not, we're still going to have a choir. But if not, we're still going to have a pulpit. But if not, we're still going to keep the ceiling some other color than black. Somebody say amen. 
But if not, we're not getting fog machines. But if not, we're not getting a rock band. But if not, we're still not singing the world's song. I'm telling you, I don't know what's coming down the pipe, but I do know who's coming down in the sky. The Lord's are coming free up I don't know when he's coming. It may be this day. It may be tomorrow. I don't know what's between here and yonder. I tell you, stuck between the middle of it all. Old Testament uh, uh, saints uh, and my friend, tribulation saints, uh, here we are today just like Daniel. And there's another generation looking around, wanting to see somebody. I can't talk about the church down the road or the church across town. I tell you, I would like for this church to be stuck right in the middle of old time religion then and old time religion what it will be down the road because of a generation that would not roll over, that would not back up, but say our children is gonna have the same opportunity to sit in an old fashioned church and hear old fashioned preaching where people still live right as the generation before us, amen. Isn't that right tonight? I'm gonna tell you, we're not selling out for a building, amen. We're not selling out for a paycheck. We're not selling out. Uh, I tell you, it'd be nice if, if some rich dude come in here and join the church, uh, had a whole lot of money and said, just go get it and I'll pay for it, amen? Uh, but I'll tell you, even if he did, we wouldn't compromise it one iota, amen? I'm telling you, he's gonna get the same sermon everybody else is gonna get. Uh, we're not gonna water it down, amen? I'm telling you, we're not gonna change it for some Johnny come lately. Can I get a witness on that? I'm telling you, we're gonna stay with God and old time religion. We're gonna stay with old time preaching and praying and door knocking and winning souls because it always has worked and it always will by the grace of God. The young man in the middle, I'll tell you who he is, who he can be. He can be anybody in this congregation tonight. Any mother, any father, any teenager, any older person that will just say, I want to be what they've been. I don't want to change. You young men, please don't ever change. Don't ever let this, don't get full of yourself. Don't ever, don't let this, uh, don't let this social world warp you. My Lord, we've come to the place. I saw this and I probably have hammered it. I hammered it somewhere as it may have been here. It's worth hammering one more time. We've come to the place where preachers quote themselves. God help us today. No wonder we don't have revival. There's too much show business. Is that right tonight? I'm telling you, brother, what people need to do, they need to get off of social media and get on their knees. Amen tonight. Brother, I'm telling you what we need to do in this hour. I tell you what your pastor needs to do is stay as low as I can in hopes that God will continue to bless our church. We got to stay low if we want God to use us. I'm telling you tonight, everybody don't have to know how I feel about something. They don't have to, everybody don't have to know what I believe tonight. Is that right? And when people criticize you, you've got to learn to just keep your mouth shut. No, I hadn't heard anybody criticize me. I'm just telling you tonight, I'm just preaching. You want to raise those kids for God, stay so humble. 
Stay humble. I don't know what's happened. Maybe it's just society in itself. But I'll tell you, that's a character trait that's being missed. And our young people will never be more humble than what we are. Is that right? Brother, I'll tell you, they need to see that in us. Clothed, the Bible said, 1 Peter 5, clothed with humility. I want to quit, but I don't want to quit. I want to say something here. You want your kids to live for God. Just live your life. Don't try to live somebody else's life. Don't try to keep up with somebody else. Don't follow somebody else. We live in such a generation of followers. People following everybody but Jesus. Amen. I'm telling you, uh, I was in a store the other day, and, and a man, he was talking about the latest trends, and I wasn't. I was just doing something. He was talking about the latest trends, and I left. I thought, man, I, 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 it just wore me out here in that conversation. Trying to keep up with everything. That's got to be exhausting. Don't worry about what other people have. Look around and see what God's give you. Amen. And I don't mean walk through your house and look at your furniture and look at your clothes. I, I don't reckon there's nothing wrong, but I'll tell you, look deeper than that tonight. Look down that aisle. Look down that pew. I'm telling you, if everything you got burns up tonight, what you got sitting on that pew is worth more than gold tonight. Amen. Stay low. Stay low. You do something for God. Just God uses you. Just, just dismiss it from your mind. Don't, don't think on it two seconds. Just go on and serve God. Let Him keep all the record. Amen. As we stand tonight. The man in the middle. Jesus was that man. He stood in the middle one day. stood in the middle for me and you hung on a cross with two thieves the God of glory his son he laid that splendor and that royalty aside and he stood in the middle he stood there sinner he stood there for you he loves you tonight I don't care I don't care how far into sin you've been I don't care what you've done tonight. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. I don't care how many broken promises you've made tonight. God loves you and He wants to save your soul if you'll come. More than anything in this world, He don't want you to go to hell. He gave the only son He had and He put him in the middle of two thieves so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. Please don't die without God tonight. If you can't pillow your head and have the blessed assurance you're saved, why don't you come get in this altar? If you're here tonight and you're saved and you've wandered away from God, why don't you come home tonight? He'll be that Father that'll take you in if you'll come. As he sings tonight, if you need to come, would you come?